0: Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to today's episode of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I thank you for giving me some of your time today, and I hope this episode finds you well. Today, we are doing another suggestion episode going over a few phrases that were given to me by some various people. I've got no ado for today, so I suggest that we move right on to today's phrases, origins, history, and more. The first phrase today is got your goat. This one means that something or someone has made you angry or upset. While no one seems to know the true origin, many link this one to horse racing. Supposedly, people would place a goat with a racehorse the night before a race in order to calm the horse down. If someone took away the goat, or got the goat, the horse would become unhappy. The other main theory is that it's just an egghorn or misinterpretation of to goad, meaning to provoke or annoy someone. There's a few more, less popular theories, but I'll share them anyway. It could have come from an older French saying, pronde la chevre, which means to take the goat. In 1904, a book about life in Sing Sing prison, called Life in Sing Sing, was written, and the author was known only as number 1500. While it hasn't been proven for sure who number 1500 was, it has been suggested that he was a forger named Henry White. Anyway, he wrote about the word goat as slang for being angry. Yet another theory is that when goatees became popular in the late 19th century, children would mock men who sported one by bleating at them. While I suppose any of these theories could be true, or it could be a combination of some of them, my money would be on the mishearing of to goad as the actual origin. Like I said earlier, no one knows for sure where it came from or exactly when it came into use, but it has to be at least as old as the early 20th century. While life in Sing Sing may have been the first print usage of goat as a way to say angry, we find the actual saying in print on November 18th of 1905 in an article from the Washington Times. It said, quote, I think the crowd got his goat, or the idea of fighting, one or the other, because he did not say boo and sat down like a mope. End quote. That's all I goat about this one, so now let's move on. The proof is in the pudding means you only know something is successful after it has happened. It's similar to the saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. The idea behind it is basically this. You can't tell if a pudding is good just by looking at it. You must try it to know how good it is. Now, this isn't referring to American pudding, the smooth, creamy, and usually cold dessert. This saying, at least when it first came into use, refers to pudding from across the pond in the United Kingdom. So, it could be sweet or savory, and have a variety of ingredients, textures, and tastes. This actually makes the saying more understandable. The pudding possibilities make it hard to know what a pudding tastes like until you eat it. The oldest known version of the saying comes from the 14th century, and was said as, It is written that everything himself shows in the tasting. In 1605, William Camden, an English antiquarian, historian, topographer, and herald, wrote Remains of a Greater Work concerning Britain, and included this version in it, quote, All the proof of a pudding is in the eating, End quote. In 1701, Peter Matu, the English author, playwright, and translator, translated Don Quixote, which was written in 1615 by Miguel de Cervantes. In this translation, we find, quote, you will see it when you fry the eggs, End quote. While this is about eggs, not pudding, it is thought by some to have helped the phrase be shortened from its longer version to the modern-day shorter one. Speaking of the modern-day version, the earliest use in print of The Proof is in the Pudding, I found, was in an 1867 edition of Farmer's Magazine, a British magazine. While no one seems to know for sure exactly how or when the saying got shortened, the idea remains the same. Don't assume to know something based on appearance, or try to guess what will happen before doing something. You can't know for sure until after the fact. And with that, let's move on. Next up is the saying, Your name is Mud. This suggestion came from Moxie over at the Your Brain on Facts podcast. If you don't listen to it, I highly recommend it. Anyway, Your Name is Mud means Your Reputation is Bad. The most well-known origin theory for this one has to do with Dr. Samuel Mudd, who helped John Wilkes Booth with his broken leg after he had shot President Abraham Lincoln. Mudd was convicted of being an accomplice to Booth in the assassination. He was pardoned three years after his conviction due to insufficient evidence of his involvement. Since many people were upset by Lincoln's assassination, they thought poorly of anyone that was even possibly involved. So Dr. Mudd's reputation was tarnished, and the saying was born. There is a major problem with this theory, however. Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, and the saying had already been in use for at least 42 years by that time, if not longer. Dr. Mudd's assistance to the assassin and the notoriety of the story may have helped make the saying more popular. There's no way to know that for sure, but it certainly didn't create the phrase. So where did it really come from? Well, It seems to be as simple as the fact that mud is dirty, and makes other stuff dirty, so a bad, or dirty, reputation means your name is like mud. Let's work backwards through some early print uses. A couple of websites had 1820 as the first print usage, but neither listed a source, and I think one copied from the other because the wording was exactly the same on both websites. I did find a usage from 1823 in a slang dictionary called Slang, a Dictionary of the Turf, etc., written by John B., one of the pen names for John Badcock, an English sporting writer. His definition of mud was, quote, mud, a stupid twaddling fellow, and his name is mud, ejaculated upon the conclusion of a silly oration or of a leader in the courier, End quote. In seventeen oh three a book titled Hell Upon Earth was published. It was about the low lives of London and was written by Tuus Inimicus. I couldn't find out anything about him, but he wrote quote, Mud, a fool, a thick skull fellow. End quote. Now if we go even further back into old timey times, to at least the sixteenth century, mud was used to refer to objects that were bad or unwanted. By the 18th century, the word mud was being used to call someone simple or foolish. So, this saying basically started with literal mud, which became a way to insult things, then people. It was definitely in use the same way we say it today by at least 1823, and had nothing to do with Dr. Samuel Mudd. That's all the dirt I have on this one, so now, let's self-sabotage. To shoot yourself in the foot means to sabotage yourself, typically by making a small, simple, or foolish mistake that keeps you from accomplishing a goal. It is said to have come from World War I, when soldiers would literally shoot themselves in the foot in order to keep themselves from having to fight on the front lines. What is not known for sure is how the saying went from literally shooting yourself in the foot to being more of just a way to say you made a silly mistake but it seems to have happened sometime in the mid-20th century. One last thing before moving on. While it seems to be widely believed that this came from World War I, some people do think it's related to an older saying, hoist with own petard. A petard is a small bomb consisting of a small box filled with explosive powder, commonly used to blow down doors or make a hole in a wall for entry. Hoist with own petard basically means you blow yourself into the air with your own bomb. This saying has been in use since at least the early 17th century, as we find it in Shakespeare's Hamlet, which was written in 1603. He wrote, quote, For 'tis the sport to have the engineer hoist with his own petard.' End quote. It definitely seems like shooting yourself in the foot could be a direct descendant of hoist with own petard but I couldn't find a direct connection between the two. That's all I found out for this one, so now it's time for today's familiar quotation. Topper's today's familiar quotation is from Robert Thulis. Quote, the psychological fact of suggestion is that if statements are made again and again in a confident manner, without argument or proof, then their hearers will tend to believe them quite independently of their soundness and of the presence or absence of evidence for their truth. End quote. Thank you, Mr. Thulis, for giving us today's familiar quotation. All right, toppers, it's time for today's For Better or For Words, Love Advice from Old Timey Times. Remember that this advice is over a hundred years old, and I'm sharing it for entertainment purposes only. Now let's hear from the ladies first. Don't let your husband make you selfish, and don't you make him selfish. If there is one specially comfortable chair that you both like, don't let him always put you into it, and don't persuade him always to sit in it himself. Turn and turn about is a very good rule. And now for the men, don't fail to treat your wife with due respect. Let there be nothing of the high and mighty suggestion that a mere woman can't possibly understand things. There are even realms in which you can look up to her as owning superior knowledge, and there are none in which she is to be despised. All right, toppers, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for lending me your ears today to turn some phrases. As I always do, I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my website, turnafphrases.com to find out information about the show's social media, for details about the music I use in the show, and much more. Also, check out the show notes for links to the Podfix Network and to my merch store. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a rating and review. Last but not least, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast. Researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, I suggest you have a great day. Toodaloo! And now... This is... Let me rephrase. An English antiquarian, historian, to... to <laughs> that's not how you say that word. Anyway, Your Name is Mud means your reputation... Re, 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 <laughs> I, I don't know what just happened. My mouth broke. A couple of websites had 1820 as the... Nope, nope, nope. Lost my place, lost my place. It was about the low lowlifes of London and was written by... T- uh, by a dude whose name I cannot pronounce. Tuis Inimicus. in And was written by Tuis inimic <laughs> Nope. Tuis, Tuis Inimicus. in in This has been a transmission of the Podfix Network. For more about this show and other great Podfix programs, go to podfixnetwork.com.